Hi, and welcome back to the show. Today, I'm joined by Inge Svik. She is the Executive Director of Amapta Offshore Staffing. Amapta almost needs no introduction. They are one of the luminaries of the outsourcing space. They have, they're only 12 years old and have grown now to over 6,500 seats. So it's an incredible trajectory for this business. They really epitomize uh, staff leasing, seat leasing, uh, and global employment. They have over 14 offices spread across the Philippines, and they are now expanding to multiple other countries across the globe, including Colombia, to get that complete global footprint. It's a really impressive operation. I actually spoke to the CEO and founder, Tim Vorbeck, on this podcast way back in episode 277. That's about three years ago. So it's great to have Inge back on the program to get updates on where Enapta is. And also we talk about the economy generally, about the business environment and how outsourcing has adapted to that and intends to go forward. So it's a really interesting, really insightful conversation with Inge. And we actually start this conversation by really digging in deep into the recent economic changes that we've had, you know, everything to do from COVID to recessions, to the great resignation, to staff shortages, and of course, the rise of remote work and outsourcing. So it's a wide ranging conversation and I certainly enjoyed it and learned a lot. As always, if you want any of the show notes, go to outsourceaccelerator.com slash podcast. Enjoy. This podcast is brought to you by Outsource Accelerator. We are the world's leading outsourcing marketplace and advisory. We help big and small businesses with their outsourcing needs, and we can help you too. We cover everything from offshore business and staffing strategy optimal outsourcing structures, implementations, and fully managed services. If you are already outsourcing, about to start, or are somewhere in between, then we can ensure that you get the best from outsourcing. That's the best prices, best terms, and of course, the best results from your offshore operations. The Outsource Accelerator Marketplace now covers over three thousand outsourcing firms representing a global workforce of over five million people. We also host this leading outsourcing podcast, publish inside outsourcing, and have over 15,000 pages of content on the site. Because we span the entire market, we can ensure that you get the best deal possible. Get in touch today, visit us at outsourceaccelerator.com slash quote. Also, if you find this podcast interesting or valuable, please share it. We have now produced hundreds of episodes featuring the outsourcing world's most prominent luminaries. Please show your support by sharing this podcast today. 
So Inge, we've had a long association with Amapta and it's great to have you on board. You are doing incredible things in the market and the industry is really changing really quick, it seems at the moment. Um, obviously, economically, uh, you know, we've recovered from COVID, we've had uh, staff shortages, we've had great recessions, now, uh, sorry, great resignation, we've had recessions, um, and it seems like a lot of economic turmoil. Uh, how, what's a recap of outsourcing in your perspective, and, and how is business as you see things? Oh, that's a big question there, again, probably one that could be going on for hours. But if I would, were to summarize it, um, whenever I speak to our clients or prospects, I always find um, as an industry, we're still comparatively a very lucky industry. Overall, I think the outsourcing industry has gone from strength to strength, even through the challenging times of COVID. Um, the, the trends that we're seeing this year, um, certainly at the beginning of the year, uh, a big hype around um, AI and, and the effect that that might have into the industry uh, in the long term. We found a lot of interest in that regard. Um, and um, certainly with the economic downturn in certain markets, um, reduction of team sizes, both onshore as well offshore are always a topic. Yet we still see other industries booming and growing. So um, I believe the fact that our industry can serve any any business is really our biggest strength and um, is probably the topic or the, the theme for this year that there we're going to, despite turbulent times, there will be continuous growth. It, it's interesting, isn't it? Because, you know, often in, you know, we're sort of entering times of recession or harder times or certainly people are having to, kind of pay attention to the bottom line, often a lot of spending pulls back, but potentially with the outsourcing industry, it's a little bit counter-cyclical when people need mm -hmm. to save money uh, or lay off staff. Often they can look uh, overseas for offshore staffing to help with that sort of concern. So are, are you seeing, you know, certainly in the last 12 months, there's been a lot of hardship in the market and people and companies are having to reassess how they sort of run their company how have you seen outsourcing from your perspective i see a lot of growth in the market and a lot of activity are you seeing that yourself yeah i think what you just pointed out to is exactly our experience that um this especially when the economy gets tough for certain industry at first um it there is almost a, a bit of a frenzy on oh we need to cut heads we need to reduce our team size but then companies realize with outsourcing that that is actually the time when you should be investing in outsourcing um, teams and building up your teams so that once um, the economy comes back up uh, you're able or businesses are able to to catch that wave with a strong team that has already been you know indoctrinated and trained on their processes so so yes we are seeing exactly that, that the smart businesses are making use of those difficult times and really evaluate um, outsourcing as a long-term strategy, where previously, probably a few years ago even, um, it was more like, oh, I need um, certain roles or work to be done and um, outsourcing can help me get that done cheaper. 
the conversations we're having now with prospects or, or clients are so different. They really are evaluating outsourcing from a more strategic, long-term perspective. They really do look at where is my talent currently located? What type of skill sets do we need? And where can I access this type of skill set most efficiently? But not only cost-effectively, it's really, of course, also an evaluation of the quality and accessibility and availability of that talent. And that's where I feel we are in the midst of it. And it's the beauty of the Philippines, among other markets that we serve at the MAPTA. Um, we're able to really, you know, offer some amazing talent. And that's one of the key things, isn't it? Because it, it's about giving access to a global talent pool instead of someone's local talent pool, which of course is very finite. And right across the world, we're seeing severe staff shortages and severe skill shortages. And as a result, salaries are going crazy. Um, and so I think people are now seeing it as that release valve and it enables them to to access global employment, which is pretty, pretty powerful, huh? Um, how do you, uh, you know, and I, where do you see people's awareness of this? Because I, I feel as well that outsourcing is becoming more of a sort of central strategy for companies now, whereas I think 10 years ago, people had no idea that it was really out there and you had to let them know about it. So how are you seeing people's perspective and awareness of outsourcing change? Yeah, that's, it's been a huge shift. I mean, if I think about the conversations we had with uh, prospective clients before the pandemic, especially when um, if they had not visited the Philippines and were not aware of the Philippines, the first part of the conversation was very much explaining and selling the, the Philippines, its infrastructure, the economic soundness, the safety and security of the market, and like really, you know, setting the scene that this is a safe place for people people and businesses um, and then we would only go into the next level of the conversation of you know what roles would you need to be filled and how can we help um, achieve that with the pandemic with uh, work from home being uh, the reality across all geographies that has really just fast forwarded that conversation and now uh, most of the conversations we're already starting at that second part is they already know that it's possible to work with resources who are located elsewhere. And so a lot of the previous concerns over how am I going to work with someone who is miles away? How am I going to understand them and how am I going to connect with them? These are no longer top of mind concerns. Of course, they also still valid and they get discussed, but it's just no longer a roadblock. It's more of a side note. And we can now really speak on a much uh, more efficient um, level with prospective clients and really go to how this solution could help them. And they're definitely fast tracking um, in, a, in a way. And, you know, it's, it's a really tight market. Maybe with this recession, it's going to get a little bit easier, but there are staff shortages, skill shortages pretty much everywhere in the world. How do you find that in the Philippines? And is there still a, a competition for good talent? 
Yes, I, I do. And that's a question we often get asked. And um, I'm always very transparent and, and honest. Say so yes, also in the Philippines, um, markets have become more competitive. Certain um, skills are highly sought after and hence there is more competition here. And we've also seen um, salary increases, but um, no way as drastically as in Australia or in the US or in the UK, for example. So it's still very much more manageable here. And of course, the sheer numbers, right? The, given the that the talent market is so big here and there's just a lot of talent available, it's still very much uh, manageable. It, to the end client, hence it's not a big difference and they can still access great talent here. It's for outsourcing companies like us where this requires a lot more effort and work. Now, we need to make sure we not only find, but also attract and retain the best talent. Of course, this was always the case, but in certain roles and certain uh, skill sets being now highly sought after, um, we as employers really um, uh, need to make sure we come to the table with a fantastic and very competitive offer that makes that really speaks to that talent and um Feel, makes them feel engaged and, and taken care of so that they will want to work with us and our partners, which is, of course, something we're very passionate about. Um, and again, not that that didn't exist before, um, but before that was a nice to have versus now, uh, that is an absolute essential uh, in order to be able to um, yeah, succeed in the market. It's really critical, isn't it? And, and it's almost like an arms race of, you know, people accuse the outsourcing industry of at sometimes exploitation and, you know, mistreating staff and underpaying them. But actually, it's quite the reverse. There's almost an arms race to treat people as well as you can and to give them the most incredible environment and career progression and HR support and things like that. How do you, you know, um, feel that you keep up with the competition so that you can attract the best talent? What are some of the core strategies that really resonate with uh, Filipino and global talent? I mean, I suppose it really comes down to um, connecting with uh, the talent and with the people and um, really showing the human aspect. Uh, this is not about um, filling a seat or um, just um, having somebody in there that does the work. It's really about um, speaking to the person, to the candidate, understanding what is important to them and finding the best way and tailoring a package of both salary benefits, work setup, work arrangement that fits this particular candidate and then linking them to the customer because who of course have their own requirements and needs as well. So it's really a matchmaking where the needs of all uh, sides have to be uh, considered. And uh, what I feel Emapta has always really done well and what we've always focused on is is that customization. We It's not a one-size-fits-all approach. It's, it's really about understanding um, the parties and, and developing solutions that work well for everyone. And for us, well, some of the ways we've been doing this is we have, for example, we have 14 offices um, in and across and around uh, Metro Manila and Cebu and Davao. And we 
it's not our customers who asked us, oh, could you please have another office in this location? It's it's us who understood, we understood we wanted to be closer to our talent. If we want a team member to work in an office, in a secure and supervised office uh, environment, um, asking them to commute for three to four hours one way is just not feasible. So opening offices in great locations closer to their homes is critical. And it's been um, one of the many um, success factors. Because it is all about talent. You know, we call it outsourcing, but actually more it's it's about, a, it's a talent solution, isn't it? It's an offshore staffing solution. And so acquiring that talent is really critical. If, if, of course, you're providing clients with just average talent, then the results will be compromised. So um, it, it's, you know, it's a big focus to really attract the top talent and then retain them as well, yeah. Absolutely. And I also find it, 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 that's one way, but I also find the education in the other ways also an aspect that, um, that we need to be doing. So when customers say, you know, they want a certain role and they explain the type of skill set they, they require, it's also really about understanding that that skill set and that expertise and we do have um, we have subject matter experts for all the various industries to make sure that the recruiters who are uh, recruiting for those particular roles really understand what that means what's the skill set what's the requirements and yet then also being able to communicate that to the customer because sometimes the expectations are not in line with the talent that's available whether it's in the philippines or in other markets we service you know their skill sets aren't are not the same across all geographies and so setting the expectations of the customer and helping them understand hey this is how the the, the education for example around it talent and um, is is here in the philippines and this is how the skill set skill set would be and somebody with x amount of um, years of experience would be approximately at this level like helping them understand the local um, job realities and skill sets is also critical to, to, to the success. So it goes both ways. And there's a lot of demand for a lot of jobs right now, but there's certain, you know, high demand areas, industries, sectors, roles, um, you know, developers are always in demand, it mm -hmm. seems. Where do you see the main spikes in uh, demand for, for roles? I suppose the, the demand is literally across all areas. Um, I think it's, um, of course, like you said, IT and developer talent, that is something um, across um, all geographies. But what we've really found a, an increased interest in um, beyond the traditional customer support roles, which we always knew the Philippines was a great um, spot for. We've also found some more advanced um, sales and support roles in, for example, in customer onboarding, especially a lot of the businesses in uh, software, uh, selling software solutions, and even integrating AI, there's still a, an element of human interaction in the onboarding experience for customers within their softwares and the support that goes beyond the traditional call center type of support that we've seen a, a big increase for, um, in addition to back office um, administration, of course, which has always been kind of the backbone of the industry. Um, and thanks to that general openness to work from home and kind of those barriers having been broken down, we also see an increased uh, demand for accounting and finance roles. 
mind you, again, those have already previously been ex- accessed already, but there was certainly a bit of a um, mental uh, barrier in many accounting and finance divisions of our customers. They're like, no, you can't do accounting and finance offshore. You can't do that um, outside of your country. But with COVID, mm. COVID, they did. And so it it has now opened up a whole new demand for, for these type of roles. And it, it's really extending to any employment across any role, across any mm. sector, isn't it? Do you do you find that there are sectors where, you know, they're generally early adopters and they're really all flooding into offshore staff versus there are sectors that, you know, are slower to, to onboard? How do you see the sort of um, the roles versus the sectors in terms of the uptake and adoption of outsourcing? That's a good question. I don't know if I would um, differentiate it by sector or I would more differentiate it by company size. Um, we find that, you know, larger companies, when it goes towards enterprise um, size, that's when the adoption or integration of offshore resources into their existing um, processes is, is considered a business risk. And it has to go through analysis, vendor review processes, uh, legal uh, reviews and whatnot. So we find the, the process there to be a bit of a longer one versus, you know, small company startups are just faster in their decision making process and that are able to quickly sign on and try it out as well. So in terms of industries, we really work with so many different industries, and I don't think I can see say that one industry is faster than the other, except for maybe some industries that are heavily regulated themselves, say, for example, the healthcare industry or even uh, mortgage industry. Those with, if they have compliance and regulations, then naturally the startup time for them, again, going back to the uh, due diligence requirements is a bit longer. But other than that, for me, it's more of a company size and at what stage in their uh, company life cycle they are at, which determines how quick and how open they are to um, um, outsourcing. Yeah, that's fascinating, isn't it? And, you know, I sometimes wonder in 20 years time when the sort of Gen Zs or millennials are the entrepreneurs, they're the business owners, they're the hiring managers, um, you know, the decision process they will take to them, I assume that global employment would just become the default. It, it will be native to them because mm-hmm. they're just so used to interacting online in forums through, you know, chat apps, through Slack. Uh, and it's just completely digital native, isn't it? And I, I expect that the the next couple of generations will really um, reestablish what it means to to employ and to source globally. I feel like that's this is already so yeah I, I couldn't agree more and it's already in place I mean we're really seeing some you know um, especially again probably some of the younger industries would be the uh, software technology uh, SaaS providers um, those they already work that way when we speak to them they're like oh yeah we have staff in 30 countries and we just like to get a couple of team members in the Philippines and so it's a whole different conversation it's just like oh you already have 30 so we'll be country 31 and so it's it's such a, a different approach to um, employment um, they still have of course similar consideration like anyone else but just that hurdle of even considering the concept is already behind us and it's really about all right what type of talent do you need what you know how can we help you find them in the best way and make sure they integrate well with those other 30 countries in this example 
And we started the podcast by saying things are changing really quickly, you know, in the sort of um, economic environment. But in terms of outsourcing and existing practices, existing traditions, and then things that, you know, really need to be kind of modernized and brought up to speed, how do you see things changing within the within the industry internally? Um, I suppose one of the biggest changes in the last one or two years, I mean, since the start of the pandemic, obviously, was that uh, concept of work from home, which then was also adapted in the outsourcing industry. And and now we're in this process of transitioning to uh, the new normal, right, uh, which is um, a combination of all, all of all options, uh, work from home, working in the office, hybrid, uh, hot desking. Um, so I find that to be or we, we see that to be a, a big change in the industry, both from the customer's perspective, being open to new ways or wanting to revert back to the pre-pandemic setup. And also from the candidate's perspective, um, a preference to work from home, generally speaking, but also a need for, you know, renewed focus on productivity, engagement, training, camaraderie in the office. So that's certainly a bit of a, a hot trend at the moment and probably one of the most spoken topics, both with our team members as well as with our customers is a return to office slash work from home slash hybrid. Where are we at? How are we doing it? What's the trend there? It's um, a big a big topic. It's such a difficult one to navigate, isn't it? And do you, as a company or you know, just as a practitioner, do you have preferences or do you just sort of, you know, you adapt to whatever the client prefers? Uh, both. I mean, yes. Like I mentioned earlier, one of our uh, what one. What, one of the key factors, success factors for Amapta has always been our ability to tailor our solution to every customer's needs. And that still continues and facilitating different work arrangements is definitely one of them. But it's also, especially in these times, it's also customers seeking our advice. Um, and we also, certainly from our perspective, um, an in-office solution is 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 always a, a good way to go because there is so many aspects in that environment um, about control, data security, access point, but also in terms of productivity, um, support to the team member, training, and so on, that, that are just easier to control. Having said that, we do not enforce, we don't force anyone to come into the office. We don't... Um, um, propagate only one way always always are um, optimal and we just have to find the one that fits that right team it's which is also dependent on the type of skill set um the the way the team members are meant to interact with each other how interdependent the roles or the team members are versus um if they're more independent the level of um, seniority like are they already independently working versus do they need more supervision and guidance so that's why there's not one size fits all it's really a, a tailored uh, approach and we certainly give our recommendations to our customers after we've understood their respective needs what's important mm. to them but then we will also consider what's important to the specific talent and you said earlier the example the tech talent is being so highly sought after well, when we when we do attract talent that are very hard to to source and recruit, then yes, you do as an employer need to offer more flexibility and find ways to make it work both ways, and that's kind of what we're here for. 
there's so many so many considerations yeah so many stakeholders for one of course all of their you know concerns need to be um, worked to and then of course as you say different considerations like where the client is where the company is in terms of their development the roles that need doing uh, it's it's pretty complicated isn't it and that's where the value of course lies in working with experienced outsourcing partners because you're not just out there on your own you're actually collaborating with experienced executive teams that can help guide your business and your teams toward success uh, yeah and the best practices right Uh, that's what we always like to share when 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 customers do ask us about this Uh, we have so many reference points to share we have customers in the same industry similar team sizes similar roles Um, or we can sometimes also reference different um, customers so it's really that that wealth of experience that helps um helps customers take advantage of that knowledge and not having to go through uh, all those learnings or like basically learn from the mistakes of others that others have already made. They can already benefit from that. And that's the beauty of working. Yeah. Like you said, with an established um, offshore provider, because it just really speeds up the learning process and helps you just get to the perfect outcome without needing to worry. And you can rely on the expertise. How do you find the now historically the U.S. Uh, clients have have always been a major part of the industry, and of course that that sort of means that they the staff have to work night shift. How how are you seeing the staff or the talent change towards that demand? Are they sort of now hoping to work day shift? Are they pushing to work? more asynchronous within the sort of remote work model? Or are you still seeing a lot of candidates that are both happy and eager to work in night shifts? How, how are you seeing that whole kind of US-based um, client evolve? Um, it has certainly evolved um, as well. And it's probably a combination with the work from home, work in office um, development. Um, the short answer is there we still find plenty of team members who are willing and able to work the night shift and who have literally all their work life has been designed that way. Their family lives have been set up that way and they that's just how they want to work and it's they've just been used to it. So we certainly still find plenty of talent. In, in certain roles, um, as team members get um, older or when you're looking to access some more senior talent and uh, family commitments when they have their own families and family commitments start to to become part of the, 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 the personal um, requirements, then that certainly generally there is a bit of a shift in a, uh, for a request to day shifts. But what we found is that while there was a, there, there, there's that shift in the talent markets, there thankfully has also been a bit of a shift in our clients' flexibility. So um, clients are now also more flexible and open to consider like mid-shift, um, you know, where you will they will still have a couple of hours overlap with the Philippine team instead of a full shift. And um, so those, again, this is not suitable for all roles, but it's many, for many it is. And it does work really, really well. So we often have clients who, you know, start the team members off on a night shift. And then once the the team members are, you know, trained and independently working really well, they switch to um, a couple of hours back. So there's like a bit of a mid shift. So best of both worlds, there's still enough connection and um, interaction, but also it's a bit of a um, less intense shift in terms of um, night exposure. So 
both both developments are happening, but overall, yes, I feel we can still see um, night shift coverage. At the same time, though, looking at the global trend of employment, that's actually also one of the reasons, though, why Amapta has expanded to new markets as well. And for us, for example, we've opened in Colombia, in South America. And one of the big advantages there is the time zone alignment with the U.S. And so while it's still overall going well in in the Philippines, we will we do see that trend continuing. And so over time, looking at other options in terms of coverage is, is certainly a good strategy. It's really powerful that, isn't it? Because then it you know, you, you're really truly catering to um, a, a global talent pool and different destinations have different pros and cons, both in terms of the talent, but as you say also the the time zones. Uh, and the sort of cultural alignment, uh, it's it's really quite incredible, isn't it? So that the clients then can work with one partner with one sort of providing, you know, one infrastructure overlay of employment and oversight, um, but then literally have uh, the whole world at their at their fingertips. It's it's really powerful, isn't it? It really is. And, and when you see those teams come to life and uh, we are in the midst of it as we are expanding through and our own teams are becoming more diverse and um, and more global. And it's just uh, it's just incredible to be in those global teams and you bring new skill sets, new perspective, new ways of working into um, your existing processes. And it's just uh, a real a delight to see how, how far it takes us. And things are changing so fast. Uh, you know, it, you can't go a day now without a conversation about chat GPT, uh, about artificial intelligence generally. And a lot of people are sort of doomsayers in terms of, you know, they think that the outsourcing industry is over. What are your thoughts in terms of this, this march of technology and, and how do you think the industry is responding? I was just giggling because just this morning I was thinking, my God, is there a gonna is there a day where we're not talking about ChatGPT? <laughs> but yes, Crazy. exactly. It's such a there really isn't anymore. It's such a big topic, and um, and of course for our industry there's also a, a bit of anxiety, right? Like, is is AI is ChatGPT actually going to replace uh, a lot of our roles? And certainly there is potentially a risk, and I'm not. Um, going to say that that's not the case but when we speak to our customers and we we see and we have the experience and um we've seen how new technologies are generally implemented in businesses what the processes for those are we we're not really worried in the sense that roles might change but uh, the requirement for great talent will remain what we have seen certainly is that um the the need to implement those technologies into existing processes is is across industries, but that's not an easy one. It's not just done overnight. And you do need great people with good expertise in order to do that. And that's where I believe outsourcing, yes, does come in because you can, um, in outsourcing, you can afford to have really great senior experience resources who can help with that implementation. And then once the implementation of the technology has been um, achieved, these are still experts in their field who can then optimize other processes. So rather than a threat it's more of a evolution i suppose of the um of the roads it's fascinating isn't it and trying to interpret what's going to happen is is just an impossible task but mm. i i just hope and expect that the industry will keep abreast of developments 
And, you know, the Philippines has always been upskilling and retraining and, you know, going into far more sort of complex and technical technical roles. So I, I think this chat GPT will just be one of those uh, other steps and step changes. And we've seen the industry for a long, long time. It's always been optimizing in terms of machine learning and automation and you know, technology supporting those functions. So it'll it'll be fascinating to see. Uh, do you do you get kind of clients asking, you know, can you can you sort of automate my roles for me? Do you get clients that just hope that they can kind of click their fingers and have everything automated by um, by yourselves, for example? Uh, almost yes. Um, we do get clients who essentially look for you know senior. Uh, project managers, product managers who can help them on their digital transformation and make it happen for them. Absolutely. And that's a, a skill set that is that previously never used to be considered to be outsourced versus now we're really having those conversations regularly, I would say almost daily. Um, and, and the answer is yes, we can. And we do have talent that help with those uh, sorts of integrations because those are you know, implementing any new technology is requires a lot of uh, strategic planning and, and integration from a tech as well as from a process perspective. And that's exactly where um, our amazing talent uh, comes in. So, um, yeah, that's that's really part of what we do. The Philippines is quite well placed, actually, isn't it? Because it's all about, you know, BPO means business process optimizer, optimization and um uh, outsourcing. Gosh, I forgot that whole thing there. So it means, it, you know, it's it's about optimizing processes, and uh, they're they're highly skilled at improving processes, and making things better. So they're they're quite well placed to kind of absorb this technology and make it work to their advantage of the clients. It's it's going to be fascinating, but uh, certainly the jury's out in terms of how it's implemented. Yeah. You're absolutely right. And I think that's something that uh, really the Philippines um, brings or the, the experienced outsourcing talent brings to the table. Having worked for different businesses and having under, uh, having seen and worked within processes for different businesses in an outsourcing function over throughout their whole careers, uh, many of our um, candidates and team members, they have a unique ability to, you know, learn a new process, but also link it back to similar processes they've done before and kind of really identify the best one and make suggestions on um, which way would be most suitable for those companies. Like, it, it, Of course, multi-skill talent also exists in other geographies, but where um, the outsourcing industry having been so established in the Philippines, we just see that the amount of exposure you can er, get as a, as a candidate, as a team member in the outsourcing industry is almost hard to match in, in other markets. And hence, they, they sometimes have this unique skill set that is incredibly valuable when it comes to implementing new processes, new ways, new technologies. And are you seeing increased demand for the higher skills for the executives for, for proper sort of leadership and, and you know, management? Um, you know, historically, of course, people have just thought of the Philippines as sort of call center agents and virtual assistants. Um, but there's incredible depth of executive talent. But I, I think a, a lot of people in the West sort of overlook that and don't expect that to actually be in the Philippines. Are you finding now that clients are increasingly aware of the, the top leadership and talent and sort of hiring into those positions? 
Um, I want to say yes, but it's not yet a huge demand. I would say it's growing. The, uh, the type of companies who are open to that and are exploring this are, in fact, those early adapters, the uh, younger, um, uh, maybe startup companies, or like, the, like in my example earlier, those who already have a very diverse workforce and where geography already doesn't matter. Um, those who have already gone beyond um, worrying about cultural differences and who have already adapted that type of work environment where it's really just great people working together. So I find that it's those companies who are considering and looking into hiring senior resources here. Um, and at the moment, that's still a small um, part of at least the businesses that we engage with, but it's certainly a growing number and um, it's really exciting to see it to see it work um, and to see it really uh, uh, succeed when you see then the, the, the senior leadership providers. I'm just thinking of a, a marketing director that I we have here in one of our offices. I met them last week and uh, she's uh, incredibly talented and she now leads uh, the marketing team across uh, five other countries, including the US and, and Europe. And she's fabulous and doing so well. But this is a company that's very advanced and they they're basically geography doesn't like everyone sits in another country and geography doesn't matter to them. And as well as, um, you know, there's no hierarchy in terms of the geography, which in traditional businesses um, is, is probably still a bit more prevalent. Yeah, it's so powerful when you realize that, isn't it? You know, instead of, you know, and that, that's where you can sort of really truly cash in on on the global arbitrage uh, you know instead of paying half a million bucks in silicon valley for a senior executive you can you know probably pay a tenth of that uh in the philippines and there is abundant talent uh, there's fantastic top level talent in the philippines and it's just really expanding people's expectations and awareness of these things and and even just having a look at a few cvs and interviewing a few people and just kind of being open to those uh opportunities it's always that the talent that seals the deal in those uh, like once they speak mm. to those candidates i mean that's it i often say you know what just let us endorse a couple of candidates to you you speak to them and you get a sense of like you get a feeling onto the type of skill set and their way of working and the experience and um they usually come back being very impressed and just um it, it's it's just the experience of those executives that absolutely blows them away and makes them want to try it out. Yeah, that's that's a great realization, actually, isn't it? You know, and I think generally people aren't motivated to outsource in inverted commas. They're actually motivated to get the staff they need. You know, they're they're motivated to to find the roles they require to push their business forward. And so, if you can just sort of connect them with those staff with the capable roles. Um, then, then that's job done, isn't it? You know, it's not actually about the outsourcing. That's that more sort of disappears into the background. It's about getting the talent that client needs to get the job done. Exactly, it's really about um, recruitment or headhunting in this case, because it just happens to be that this executive is in the Philippines, for example. But it's really about identifying and finding and attracting this type of skill set is is what the, the key factor. Which is why for us, our recruitment team is now uh, over a hundred team members strong. Like we really invest in strong recruitment capabilities because attracting, sourcing, attracting and um, retaining the talent is, is the critical piece here, um, at least 
the, the piece that we bring to um, to the table. And hence, uh, yeah, it's really about understanding the need and then finding the best candidates. Yeah, that's incredible, isn't it? A recruitment department of 100 people. And, and as you say, you know, it's it's the critical piece in the puzzle is getting the talent and being able to attract that talent and retain the talent. Uh, it's it's absolutely central. Well done, Inge. Gosh, it's it's amazing. And so a map to then, what would you say is the is the sort of you know the magic sauce with a map to, and um, how would you sort of sum it up for for people um, if they want to get in touch or learn more? Um, yeah, I mean, I mentioned earlier already, you know, our ability to customize the solution and really make it work for every business and to exactly what they need is is probably our biggest strength. And, um, and the expertise that comes with that, like we work with over 600 clients, we have now 6,500 team members just in the Philippines. And so it's really our um, expertise of having um, done this for 12 years and counting so successfully that we know we can um, help uh, businesses grow and it's, it's, it's we're very passionate about it. Um, so yeah, if you want to find out more about us, I mean, our website, emapta.com, and please also get in touch with me. It's uh, inge at emapta.com. I believe you'll put it in there later. Um, yeah, we're just looking forward to a conversation and, and hearing what you need and how we can help. Yeah, absolutely. And I'll put certainly put that in the show notes. And, you know, I always encourage people to reach out uh, and have that conversation, you know, and it's just really then a conversation about how outsourcing can benefit your business and really get into specifics of, you know, each individual business. You can talk about the things we mentioned about the shifts and the type of talent you need and the type of structures, whether it's home-based or office-based and, um, you know, the talent attraction kind of strategies. And it's really just about having that conversation and being open to the opportunity really, isn't it? Exactly. And I think especially as we're talking about, you know, the global employment and really the trend of um, accessing talent all over the world, which is why we have um, expanded um, to Europe, um, South America um, and in Asia beyond the Philippines. In these conversations, we also really need to understand, yes, what is the type of skill set that you're looking for? What are you trying to achieve in the long term? Because then we can also suggest what what the best geography for this particular skill set would be. we, for example, our, our teams in Sri Lanka is an incredible um, talent pool for tech talent. We've got some real amazing uh, team members there for our own team. And so, you know, sometimes it's also the Philippines is, is an amazing talent pool, but sometimes a certain skill set might be um, better in other or, you know, more suitable in other markets. And that's the kind of the things we will tease out in the conversation with the prospect to understand what they need and what would work best for them, because it's not about us. It's about what works for the respective business. And the map has seen incredible growth then, yeah, that's that's really impressive. What I, what I think many clients aren't aware of is that when clients start with an outsourcing partner, you know, very commonly they might start with one, two or five staff, mm-hmm. but then very quickly, as soon as it works, they realize the potential and, and they often scale up. So of course that's beneficial for the outsourcing partner, but of course, you know, it's, it, it becomes this incredible rocket fuel for clients, doesn't it? They realize that, you know, they can now suddenly tap into incredible talent. Um, it's sort of white glove concierge service with sort of suppliers like yourselves. Uh, and 
they kind of save money in the in in the run as well. It's um, this incredible value proposition once people get started, isn't it? I mean, it's always that that proof of concept first for the initial role or the initial department, whichever brought them um, to us and whichever made them consider it. But yeah, usually once it it works and the first few team members succeed, it's like the floodgates are open and everyone is like, oh wow, I want. Um, I want that for my team. I want that for my department. And then that's how it works. And that's why we, at the MAPTA, we, we are very multifunctional. We have really most of our clients, majority of our clients have teams that are, you know, across departments and functions. So they might start out with, for example, an accounting support team, but then they add customer service and they add web development and they add graphic design and marketing and sales and whatnot. And that's what is really the fuel for their business growth in the long run when you can actually optimize this across divisions. So it's really, really exciting. That was Inge Svik. She is the Executive Director of Amapta Offshore Staffing. As always, if you want any of the show notes, go to outsourceaccelerator.com slash podcast. And if you want to ask us anything, just drop us an email to ask at outsourceaccelerator.com. See you next time.